so strange but appealing. Welcome to the Bump Shop Diaries. Join us, perhaps you may want to listen to a Bump Shop story. The pipe's gone around a few times and everybody's feeling mellow. It's raining outside, not a fit night to ride, but in here there's a fire in the fireplace and I'm huddled in a circle with some old friends I haven't seen in a year. The last record on the turntable comes to its inevitable conclusion and after the loud click-clack, someone breaks the silence to suggest that I tell a ghost story, something that happened to me out on the coast. All right. It just happens that I have one. It's late evening and it's overcast and gloomy with the threat of rain. You're riding your chop through a hilly area without very many buildings. What there are mostly nondescript factories, closed now, silent under a layer of accumulated dirt. You're not quite sure exactly where you are, but you're far from being worried about it. You know the general area, and you're certain you'll recognize a street sign or a route marker before you go very much farther. You've been riding aimlessly, obliviously, trying to think of somewhere to go or something to do in a city where you have no friends. Up ahead, you see another chop at a stop sign, just waiting there in the left half of the lane, idling. The bike is a pretty machine, all black with just a few pieces of chrome, everything polished up to an immaculate sheen. In contrast to his mount, the rider is dressed in tattered and oil-stained rags. A man wider at the hips than the shoulders, but far from skinny anywhere. In fact, he looks like any of a thousand chopper jocks you've seen. Or been. You pull your bike up next to his and give him a closer look. Now you see it's not a brother biker at all, it's a figure in a hooded black robe. He turns to you and you see a wide expanse of lipless teeth and empty black eye sockets stark against white bone. Pieces of discolored flesh are stuck at intervals to the bone. His jawbone drops and you hear a hissing sound over the grumble of the two bikes and the smell of putrefaction makes your gut knot up in spasmic revulsion. You look again and see you were mistaken. It's a fair-haired girl with milk-white skin. Her eyes are of an indeterminate color between an iceberg's blue and the gray of a thundercloud. She parts her pink lips with her tongue, and then she shows her opalescent teeth in a smile that sends a shiver down your back, and you know that she's got you hooked. She raises her hand from the throttle and momentarily crooks a delicate finger, then drops the clutch and slowly moves across the intersection. And you follow. She advances slowly down the open road, then faster as she goes up through the gears, then faster yet. Now the sun is just a red line on the horizon and the slipstream. Of her increasing speed whips at the hem of her gown, revealing legs too thin, too white. The road begins to wind up into the mountains and she's doing 80. It begins to rain. It gets so dark that the only things your headlight illuminates are the reflectors and the painted lines of the narrow road. The only other thing you can see is her taillight just ahead of you. You twist the throttle, but she runs consistently just in front of your high beams, her taillight glowing balefully through the rain like the eye of a maddened animal. The rain begins to fall in sheets, and the road has become a spillway with torrents of water spouting across its surface. Suddenly, you're blinded by a flashing bolt of lightning, and when you unclench your eyes, the red taillight has disappeared. It is replaced by two white lights, tiny but growing larger by the second. They get brighter and brighter until they burn like hellfire, looming up in front of you until they acquire the magnitude of bonfires and one is on either side of you. Then there is a jerking shock and you hear your engine scream and a shriek that sounds as if someone is being tortured with white-hot pokers. 
You lose your grip on the handlebars and your body is hurled end over end through the blackness. The last thing you remember is the sound of metal being torn and an obscurity descends as black as ink. You awake to find yourself lying on the road. The rain has stopped, but the night is still interrupted at occasional intervals by flashes of lightning. You see your bike a short distance farther down the road, lying on its side. You climb to your feet with difficulty. Your head hurts, and you feel a warm, moist substance on your face. Then a bolt of lightning shows you an automobile lying next to the road, upset at the foot of an embankment. It has been split open like a coconut. More lightning. You see smaller objects on the ground around the wreck of the car. Lightning. You recognize the figures of people. Lightning. You see a ring of bodies scattered about the hulk of the car, each of them the husk of a human being smashed and broken open and dismembered. Five persons lie brutally dead in front of you, a man, a woman, and three children. You are horrified and sickened by what you see revealed with each successive electric flash. Mercifully, the lightning ultimately ceases and you stand in pitch blackness and utter stillness with your pain and terror. A single light stabs the darkness, the rumbling of an engine interrupts the silence. The engine sounds go up and down in scale and volume like the railings of a monster. There is a momentary pause, as of hesitation. Then the white light swings to one side and is replaced by a red one that slowly grows smaller, apace with the diminishing noises of the engine. When nothing is left to be seen or heard, you turn and begin to walk away from the carnage in the direction from which you'd come. And as you walk and bleed and hurt, you think about death and how she, or it, can take different forms for different occasions. And how sometimes she comes to take you with her forever, and sometimes she just takes you sightseeing. Join us, perhaps you may want to listen to a Bub Shop story. New and vintage merch available at BumpShopBackRoom.com. What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Bump Shop Diaries. I appreciate you listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, please send it to a friend. Share it. Make a post about it. If this is the first episode you've heard, go back, check out the previous episodes as I've done them all a little bit differently. And since it's deer season, the last few, I've kind of been sticking to the shorter stories. This one was written in 1975 by L.M. Lusky and is called Sightseeing. Man, I really enjoyed this episode. I thought it was fitting for December. I picked up on a little touch of, like, Ghost of Christmas Past vibe in this story. And while I was reading it, I thought the author just did an incredible job because I could see each scene playing out in my head like a movie. And yeah, I know, I said I was reading it. I didn't read the audio for this. This was our main man, Russ. Um, And that's due to some time factors, such as not having enough time and spending my time in the woods because it is muzzleloader season. So one nice thing about doing it this way, other than saving me time, is that when I got to go back and listen to it, I don't have to hear the sound of my own voice, you know, when I'm adding sound effects and music and all that. But let me know how you think our main man Russ did. I think it was pretty good. So yeah, it's still muzzleloader season for a couple few more days yet, and I'm just out on the doe patrol trying to get a couple more for the freezer and the smoker, you know, make some hams out of the hindquarters, do up a little jerky, all of that, but uh, 
dude, I'm I'm just like so sick of opening Facebook and seeing also like the podcast clips on Instagram reels of these dudes just talking out of their ass like Michigan doesn't have big deer. You can't shoot big bucks in Michigan. If I want to shoot a big buck, I got to go to, uh, you know, Nebraska or Iowa or wherever. It's like, dude, go, go there and shoot a big buck. It's. It, like nobody's stopping you you know what i mean and these dudes get so upset if someone posts like a fucking spike or a four point like you should have shot a doe what are you doing like this guy might live five counties away and this fucking joe blows all upset with what this other guy decided to harvest you know what i'm saying what kind of man gets upset with whatever another man decides to legally shoot it's insane to me dude and these guys are the guys that are spending fucking five grand on a lease for the month or they have fucking 80 120 300 acres that they're managing full time and the dude who shoots the smaller buck he might have two days a fucking year to go hunting and that's the deer he saw and he killed and he's happy with it and he's eating it and for anyone to have a fucking problem with that is a level of insanity i'll never understand but michigan does have big bucks but here's the deal man you gotta hunt them you gotta hunt them you know if you want to go to one of these states where there's groups of large eights in a fucking 24 inch inside spread and 10 and i passed it up so i could shoot this 14 like yeah cool for you i guess i don't know just doesn't seem as cool to me you know what i'm saying i've always just looked at like a big rack is just a bonus yeah if you spend a lot of time in the woods you might see a lot of deer and especially during bow season you'll see a lot of deer that you have no opportunity of harvesting because they're just so out of range but you can see them you can pattern them you can move the next day and set up in the spot and then see them where you were the day before and go what the fuck you know and just try to figure it out and play the wind and that's all fun and that's you know that's part of the that's part of the deal that's part of what makes it so fucking fun but all these dudes whining like schoolgirls complaining what somebody else shoots is fucking insane i can pull you up a picture of fred bear with this tiny little spike of a forkhorn four point and i guarantee you you would not walk up to old fred and be like you should have let it go another two years fred what are you doing you know what i mean guy fucking put bow hunting on the map like an invented basically pioneered filming your hunts you know like you wouldn't be fucking doing anything if it wasn't for him and yet you're talking shit about some dude who wants to fucking harvest what he wants to harvest you know oh you should have shot some does here's the thing i haven't fucking seen any does you know what i mean and but i spent a lot of time in the woods i seen some early in the earlier season but i wasn't really worried about them but the last couple weekends, I have not seen shit for does. So if I'm in the position where I only have a weekend to hunt and I haven't seen any does and a fucking spike comes by, well, guess what? That spike's going in the freezer and I, I don't feel bad about it. And I'll, I, you know, I, and then you got guys and I'm, I'm probably guilty of this too, though. Uh, you know, like not the biggest one, but you still post the picture of the buck. Might be a six point, whatever, a four point, a five. It might be the spike. 
Like that last eight point I shot this year, it definitely suffered for, from some ground shrinkage. There was a little ground shrinkage. It looked a lot bigger when I let the arrow at it. And uh, then when I walked up on it in the field, I was like, this thing's not as wide as it was. It shrank. But it's still a beautiful deer, and I was so stoked on it. Almost more stoked than I've been on some of the other bigger deer I've killed, just because the timing was so perfect. It was filling my second tag. It was right before gun season started. Uh, the week of gun season, we had a super busy family schedule, so I knew like I wasn't going to get as much time in the woods. So it was just like, I was so happy. Like, a little bit of the pressure's off. Just focus on getting some does now. But yeah, these dudes who complain, and then they, they complain like, oh, two buck tags? That shouldn't be allowed. You should only have one buck tag. You know who says that? Dudes who can't even kill one buck. Leave it alone, dude. You can go in and you can buy one buck tag. Nobody is stopping you from that. You don't have to kill two bucks. Also, on that second buck tag, less than like 94% of hunters are successful on filling it. So calm down there, you know? Like, you just need to relax on all of it. Just because people buy two tags doesn't mean they're killing two fucking deer. Guaranteed, you know? Uh, it's just insane to me. It's insane. Like, if you want to kill one deer, kill one deer. The other insane thing is dudes who hunt for these trophy racks who don't even like venison. I, like, it's cool, though, because the meat usually gets donated to a family who can use it, or a, a food bank, or whatever, and that's cool. I like that idea, but it just seems weird to, like, go out and hunt for something you're not gonna eat. It seems like it's against the DNA of hunting, you know? It's the same thing when, like, I hear dudes talking about, like, oh, I had this annoying squirrel, so I took him out. It's like, yeah, you took him out with a 300 Win Mag. You just murdered the thing for no reason. I'll shoot a squirrel if I'm gonna eat it, but I'm not just blowing a fucking squirrel up like Hiroshima because it's annoying. The squirrel's just doing squirrel things. Let it squirrel, you know? Anyway, I get way too hot about this. You need to go hit up the website, bumpshopbackroom.com. We got new vintage shit. We got a couple new uh, hunting slash chopper inspired shirts. Couple just hunting styled themed shirts, whatever you want to call it. Um, and then we got the mix, the the whitetail outlaw chopper tee. So go check those out. And we got, you know, updating the vintage stuff all the time. Check us out on Instagram, Bump Shop Diaries. And check out my man Rob, the crazy gentleman, with his podcast, The Crazy Gentleman. Uh, so yeah, get you some black coffee, get out in the woods, or get out in the garage, and enjoy. BumpShopBackroom.com